You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. We're going to jump right in. I've only got a few minutes here. I don't have a, a long word. If you've got your Bible, you, you can turn to Psalm 68 and Hebrews 10. Cody stole my scripture. You stole my scripture, Cody. Stole my thunder. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a handful of people, actually not even a whole handful. There are three people on this planet that um, I follow extremely, extremely close. Every time they preach, I never, I literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, I never miss a message that they preach. Uh, oftentimes, I will be driving home on a Sunday, already downloading their podcast or checking in on the live stream. Uh, there's just a few people in my life that, uh, that are like this, where I want to hear what they're saying. I want to hear what God's doing in their church, in their world. They're just incredible people, leaders. Uh, Bill Johnson's one of those. Chris Vallotton's one of those. Banding Leapshire is one of those, uh, who's also one of my personal overseers. And these three guys, they just, they move me so much. And uh, I follow Bill, uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California, follow them very, very closely. And one of the things that Bill's been talking about, if you follow uh, Bethel Church at all, he's, he's in a season where he, he gave the analogy of a truck driver, how truck drivers oftentimes when they have a load, they'll strap the load down, tighten all the straps, and they'll take off. But after a while, not too far into the journey, they'll pull over and tighten the straps again because after a little while it starts to loosen up and just you got to make sure you got to tighten those straps back down uh, after not long. And I, he said that he feels like that's where their church is at in, in one way or another where it's like they've been on a journey but it's time to pull over, stop, and tighten down the straps again and making sure that we don't lose anything along the way. And honestly, I kind of feel the same way. I felt very um, buildy. Is that even a word? It's not. We're going to start a new word today. Buildy. It's, it's, I feel very buildy. I feel like we're kind of going back to the foundation uh, of, of, of church, not just our church, but the church, and asking the Lord, hey, how's, how's the foundation? If you're going to build up, you better build down first. And, and let's just be honest, no one's ever driven by a house that just had the foundation poured and the, and the studs were up. It was framed up. No one's ever driven by that house and going, gosh, that house is beautiful. It's just never happened, so it's not like the sexiest thing in the world to talk about foundational things, but uh, it's, it's very, very necessary, and that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is just something very, very foundational uh, as it pertains to church. Let me read in Psalms chapter 68, verse 4. This is the one scripture of mine Cody didn't read, so uh, it, it starting in verse 4, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. By his name, Lord, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. Now, this is the part I want us to pay attention to, or at least one part. Verse 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound in pro- into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now I'm going to reread Hebrews chapter 10 because we're going to focus on a, just a little bit different part than Cody focused on. I'm going to start in verse 19. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed pure with water 
Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of, his, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now here's what I want us to, to focus on today. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you take those two scriptures and kind of combine some of the points that I want to focus on, you could just say it this simple. God places each of us into a spiritual family and then commands us to not neglect it. God places us into spiritual family and then he says, don't neglect it. I think it's important that sometimes we just remind ourselves, what are we even doing here? Like, why are we all here this morning? What is church? And th this is not the, the, the sexiest of titles, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of this one. The title of today's message is, What's Up With Church? Turn to your neighbor and say, What's Up With Church? Seriously, what, what, what's up with church? I, I, I have three simple points. And we want to answer the question, what's up with church? Why is church important? And, and also, how do I connect my faith to what's going on here? If you're not connecting your faith to what's going on this morning, what's going on in this next story, you're, you're, or this next service, you're actually going to miss the point. The Bible says that anything that's not done of faith is sin. In other words, when you don't engage your faith in something, you're missing the mark. So you can't just come to church because it's what you're supposed to do. You should come to church because your faith is connected to what happens when you're here. Number one, every, you need to understand this, it's very basic, but it, it can get confusing sometimes for, for, for some people. Every single person belongs in a church. Every single person belongs in the church. Psalm 68, 6, we just read, it says, God sets what? The solitary in families. We're, Cody, I, I read this out of, I think, the New King James Version, but that, that word solitary is important. If you look in the NIV and the ESV and some of the other translations, they use a different language there. But I think that the more original language there in the New King James and the King James, it actually says the word solitary, which means the singular, the alone. So God takes the single and he puts it into plural. He takes the alone and he puts them into family. Let me read you another scripture right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. This is a message for everyone, everyone who among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. Now notice this phrase, and individually members of one another. In the church is a picture of spiritual family, and not just a picture of spiritual family, but it's a picture of a body where the individual belongs to the whole. The individual belongs to the whole. Every individual is a part of one another. They're members of one another. It's actually interesting that he began this passage of Scripture talking about family, talking about the body of Christ, and he starts off by addressing pride. He starts off by addressing, hey, don't, you, don't think higher of yourself than you should. Can I just say this, that one of the most prideful ways of thinking is that you don't need anybody else? It's one of the most arrogant and prideful frames of mind to be in where you think you don't need what other people have. I've heard this before where, where people, I've heard, especially some old timers, I, I've heard them say, you know, me and God, have a, we have a deal worked out. 
We, we, got, we got our own thing worked out. I, I'm, I'm, me and him, are, we're good. Well, I, I, let me just say this. It's, you, you might be, well, let me say it a different way. Every single one of us in this room, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you and him are good. But that's where the, that's where the journey starts, not where the journey ends. You can't say, you know, we made it. Me and God are good. I'll see you guys in heaven. No, no, that's, that's actually the beginning of your journey. Getting good with God is the beginning of your journey, not the end of your journey. You're not working this whole life to get good with God. You're accepting the goodness of God by accepting Jesus. Now, once you're good with God, so the journey, so the journey begins. Nobody on the planet, and let me just say this, because so many people, or, I'm sorry, there are so many um, expressions of the local church. So I'm not here to judge uh, how other people do church, whether it's, I know people are part of home churches. I know in other countries, it looks nothing like what we have here. So I'm not trying to say, this is what church looks like. My job is to give you the word and let the Holy Spirit take that word and put it on the place of your heart that it belongs. So I'm not, this is not a, a judging word. This is a clarifying word. And, and so I'm, I, I, I I just, it's interesting watching people who think that in some way, shape, or form, they have a special deal worked out with God, and they're fine. They don't actually have to go. They don't have to go to church, or they don't belong in church. They've got something special. I remember years ago, uh, one of the children's church teachers came to me uh, when Riley, my, my middle daughter, was pretty young, and she said, hey, so um, I need to tell you something that your, your daughter said. Don't you love when a teacher starts it off with something like that? You're just thrilled, right? And she said, well, she came up to me in class, and she, I'd given her, they'd passed out little goodie bags to all the kids. I think it actually was on Easter. And they'd passed out goodie bags, and she said, uh, hey, I want, can I get two? And uh, Riley asked the teacher, can I get two bags? And the, she said, no, no, everybody gets one. And she goes, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I know who your dad is. Did you know he's the pastor of the church? Can I get two bags? <laughs> it's like she thought just because she was the, the pastor's daughter, there's going to be some special privileges in there. And it's like, it, it, that, that, that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> there's no such thing as some special arrangement where the local church is not for every single person. Every single person belongs in a local church. I want to remind you of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nation. Notice he doesn't say make Christians. He says make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, now he's fixing to define discipleship, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. That word observe means to obey and to do. So he's defining discipleship. He said, observe all the things that I've commanded you to do. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Here's the difference between a Christian and a disciple. Christians are going to heaven, but disciples actually do what the Word says to do. There's a bit of a difference there. And, and, I, and I wrote this phrase down. It can feel a little, little hot saucy, so just bear with me for a second. You can go to church, I'm sorry, you can go to heaven and not go to church, but you can't not go to church and be a disciple. You can, you can go to heaven 
and not go to church. There are a lot of, there are Christians, keyword, Christians all over the world. I promise you they're going to heaven. But there's no such thing as someone who's a disciple who doesn't go to church because if the scripture says don't neglect the assembling together, a disciple says that's not just a suggestion, that's a command. And because I observe all, because that's what disciples do, they obey and do everything that we were, that we were taught to do, that we were commanded to do. A, a Christian looks at that and says, you know what, I'm good. Well, I'm going to heaven. It's like, that's fine. If your goal is to go to heaven, that's fine. I have a different goal. <laughs> I have a different goal. And the truth of the matter is, all of us should have a different, a different goal. I was actually reminded of a... Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this analogy, but I think one of my, I think Banning actually said this in one of his sermons uh, a while back. Uh, and it reminded me during the Olympics, there was, a, there was an Olympic, a U.S. Olympic shooter who was known as the absolute greatest at this one, uh, this one range, like the 50 meters or something like that. He was the greatest shooter of all time in this. And he's in the final gold medal match. And literally all he has to do is hit the paper. Mind you, this is a guy that hits a 10 almost every time he shoots. Every time he shoots. And he picks up his rifle, has one shot left, and everybody's already kind of clapping and cheering. And he shoots. And the video screen shows he doesn't even hit the paper. And the whole audience just starts gasping and looking around like, what happened? He shot a bullseye on somebody else's target. I think sometimes... We're hitting the bullseye, but we got to ask ourselves a question. Are we even aiming at the right target? The target's not getting to heaven. The target is bringing heaven to earth. Christians go to heaven. Disciples bring heaven to earth. We've got to make sure that our target is right, or we'll hit the bullseye at the wrong target. That's what discipleship is. It's manifesting heaven on this earth. It's manifesting the kingdom. It's reading through the scriptures and, and, and not just saying, not just reading for information, it's reading for assignment. I'm reading to, to get to know this person, to get to know who Jesus is, to get to know who God is, to get to know who I'm supposed to be, and then partnering with him to bring heaven to earth. You know, if we did a better job at bringing heaven to earth, maybe more people would want to go to heaven. That might be one of the most evangelistic things you can do. Just get really good at bringing heaven to earth. And people go, you mean you can have this all the time? Yeah, in eternity you can stay. We get this forever. Not all Christians, I'll just say it again. Not all Christians go to church, but all disciples do. Number two, um, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the rest of that. I'm running out of time. Number two, um, where we go to church, again, what are we talking about? What's up with church? Where we go to church, this is going to be fun. <laughs> where we go to church is his choice, not yours. Psalm 68, 6, we read it. What does it say? It says, God sets the solitary in family. Who's the one doing the setting? He is. God sets the solitary in family. Did you know there's actually a church you're supposed to be at? And I'm not saying it's this one. I'm just saying there is one. 
It's kind of like your natural family. Like, has it ever dawned on you that God actually chose to put you in that family, knowing who some of your family would be? Anybody having those family members where you're like, really, Lord? This is where you thought I belonged? Thought you loved me? <laughs> I would say this if he was sitting on the front row, but if, if, if for some of you, you'll understand this. I have a middle brother, uh, my middle brother. He, is, he has been entertaining, to say the least, my whole life. Um, I, I, some of y'all are laughing. Y'all know him. He, uh, I remember one time when I was in college, <laughs> I was playing baseball at Midland College, and uh, I, was, <laughs> I was at the edge of the dugout, and all of a sudden I see two of my teammates pointing up in the stands, and they're like, and I walk over there, and they're like, bro, you got to see this joker, what he's wearing. And I was like, who? And, like, and, I, and they point, and it's my brother. And uh, <laughs> he had some old tennis shoes. He had some, now mind you, at this my brother was about, at, he'd, at this time, he'd have probably been about 6'5", 380, so tiny. And uh, <laughs> he had high white socks, the kinds with the stripes on them. Then he had some gym shorts that wouldn't have fit me, much less him. They were, they were coming in right about here. Then he had a shirt that didn't match the shorts or the socks that was cut off, and a cowboy hat about that big. <laughs> God chose that for me. <laughs> He's so much fun. Uh, but in the same way that God put you in the natural family that he, that he wanted you to be in, he did the same thing with your spiritual family. He knew everyone that was going to be at the church that he set you in. He knew who the pastor was going to be. He knew what the pastor was good at, and he knew what the pastor wasn't good at. He knew that there were going to be people there that didn't like you. He knew, he knew there were going to be people there that maybe you had a history with, maybe you had a bad business deal with at one point. This can, this can get difficult because in the day and age we live in, more, and this is not a shameful thing, so please hear my heart on this, but just, just bear with me for a second. He knew that he sent you to a church where eventually, and he knew what was coming, not was it was planned, but he knew what was coming, that you and your wife or your husband would end up getting a divorce. And it might be very, very awkward, both of you going to the same church together. Is it okay if we get real in church? Is, it, is, that, is that okay if we talk about some of these things? He knew everything that was going to go on. He literally knew it. And he still placed you there. Why? Because the church he set you in it's not about your convenience and it's not about your preference. It's about your development. And one of the problems that we have, especially here in America, where everything is our choice. We can literally choose anything and everything. that We, we can choose what kind of coffee we want. We can choose where, what rest. We have so many choices. And we, as Americans, we believe we should get to choose everything. That's why some of us, like with some of the mask mandates and different things, boy, it just grades against us in 800,000 different ways. And it's not a political statement. I'm just saying. Why? Because nobody, especially Americans, want to be told what to do. We want to have choices. And when we have choices, we don't want a dictatorship. This is America. <laughs> and can I just say this? I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that I live in a country where I have so many choices. 
But I can't take my Americanism over into the kingdom all the time. In America, I may have a choice, but in the kingdom, sometimes I don't. And that's what it looks like to live a submitted, humble life under the, 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 the uh, commandments and the attributes of the kingdom. And don't, and don't mm, let me say it a little different way. I just have to remember that I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple before I'm an American. If American fits, great. If it don't, don't flip them. There are some things that are actually not our, we don't get to say, you know, I started going to this church because it was closer to my house. You made an eternal kingdom decision over a few extra miles of driving? I mean, let me, this message, you, we've all been there. You ever just left your fly unzipped? <laughs> we've all done it, right? And you've all been there when someone else walked in, their flies unzipped, and there's that awkward moment where, like, you, you know someone's going to have to say it. <laughs> and you don't want it to be you because then it's like, well, like, were you looking? Or, like, I'm not really sure. Like, <laughs> and it's just awkward for everyone, right? Because you're like, hey, like, your flies unzipped, and you feel awkward for saying it, and they're feeling more awkward for hearing it. But at the end of the day, you go home. You don't like that person anymore, but you appreciate them. <laughs> I don't like you. Because I'm still not sure if you were looking at my crotch or not. I'm not, I'm not sure how to. But you appre- you're like, you know, I, that's what this message is. You'll, you'll appreciate it. You may not like it, but you'll appreciate it at some point. <laughs> if God's the one that sets us into spiritual family, then he's also the only one that has the right to unset us. Well, I... I I used to go to church here, but I stopped because of, hopefully the only way to finish that sentence for you is the Lord said. Think about this. Because can I, can I be honest with you? One of the reasons he's placed you in the place, let me say it different. One of the reasons he leaves you in some places that, can I just be honest, are sometimes not, aren't perfect. Well, all the time aren't perfect. He, he will leave us into that place, not because it's easy or convenient or it's our preference, because it will, but it, because it will force us to grow our long-suffering. It will force us to learn what forgiveness looks like. It will force us to learn what mercy looks like and grace looks like and conflict resolution looks like. Has it ever crossed your mind that, you know, maybe the Lord's keeping you at a church with someone that you've got some history with to maybe say, hey, no, I need you to work through this. This strife is killing you. That person, whatever they are, going to the same church as you, that's not what's killing you. What's killing you is the strife that's still there. And he's not unsetting you and placing you somewhere else. Why? Because he wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. He doesn't want you to relocate because that's your preference. Because that will be easier. Americans love easy. But can I just say this? Sometimes the kingdom, in the kingdom, it's not about easy. It's about development. It's about growth. It's about challenge. I remember uh, I worked for a church one time when it was the first that I remember. I'd been there for a while. I worked for a church, and I was late to a meeting for the very first time. And when I walked in, the the leader of that meeting 
literally physically grabbed me and spun me around and pushed me out of the door and said, nope, you can't be on time, you don't get to come to this meeting and shut the door behind me. Ooh, I was mad. <laughs> I was so, so angry. I could not believe that another person had put their hands on me and all of a sudden this, my flesh is raging. It's, and I ain't gonna lie, I marched straight to my office, got a cardboard box and started packing my office up. It's like, I ain't staying here. And can we just say, you know, I could have said I was justified in that. Why? No one should ever do that. No one should ever, ever, ever do that. Shortly after the meeting, I'm in there packing my office, and the guy comes in. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm packing my stuff up. Oh, you're going to quit? Well, I think so. <laughs> Let's get in my office. And we get in there, and we hash it out. And he's like, you don't think I have a right to... We're, we're just going at it. You don't think I have a right to tell somebody to be on time? I said, oh, no, sir, I, I think you have a right, but you don't have your right, a right to put your hands on me. Here's what I'm going at. It was wrong what he did, but it was right that I grow up and learn how to, as a young man, stand up for certain things and learn how to confront with honor. It would have been easy for me to say, you know what? I left that church, and I could tell all y'all the story about why I left that church. It's because my, my pastor pushed me. And you'd be like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that son of a gun did that. <laughs> but can I just say this? I wouldn't be where I'm at today had I not stayed and dealt with it. See, Braden didn't put Braden at that church. The Lord did. So since he put me there, Braden can't take Braden out. I remember one time, another situation, where we're in a meeting, and the, a, a pastor told my wife, told Leanne, this will get you. He said, the minute you started singing, I, I, I watched the Holy Spirit stand up and walk out of the room. <laughs> about to put these hands on them. <laughs> <laughs> See, Braden and Leanne didn't put Braden and Leanne there. So someone saying something rude, we, we can't justify someone's dysfunction as, oh, the Lord's, he's okay with that. Now, again, please hear everything I'm saying. Please hear my heart on this. You do need, there are some, you got to be at a church that believes the Bible, all of it. You don't want to be in an abusive situation. But what I'm saying is there are times where the Lord places us into less than ideal circumstances and less than ideal situations. Why? Because he actually cares about your growth. Some storms he doesn't keep us from, he keeps us through. Oh, he knew the storm was there. He's, he, he sent disciples into storms. He literally said, go over there. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> what, did, what did God the Father do to his son to start his ministry? He sent him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. <gasps> he, he, sent the, he sent Jesus to the devil? Mm -hmm. Why? Because what the devil was going to test Jesus with would confirm who Jesus was to Jesus. And there wasn't a crowd there when all this was going on. When that little interaction happened between Jesus and the devil, this wasn't about Jesus showing everybody what to do. No, this was about Jesus discovering who... Remember, he, he set aside his godness and walked in his humanness. Sometimes God puts us in situations so we know what's in here. He wants you to know what you can put up with. 
He wants you to know how strong you really are. I, 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 I honestly, I, I, it would be inappropriate to share this story. I was tested in a way that would blow your mind the other day. Didn't, had nothing to do with it. I was minding my own business and I got, it was very crazy what happened. I was solicited basically by a prostitute who walked up to me with, not walked up, drove up to me with no clothes on. And I mean, I just panicked. I was like, and I, of course, I turned my head, called Leanne. I was like, you ain't not going to believe what's happening right now. First of all, I'm looking at the dash. Let's <laughs> clarify that. And man, it was, a, it was a bizarre thing. And I called Leanne. I called my pal. I'm like, hey, this, this thing just happened. And, um, and I, of course, like, you wrestle through all kinds of thoughts and things. And I've had this thought lately where it's like, I wonder how many different things that the Lord lets happen to you because he needs to test your strength. He needs, needs to know. Let me change that. He already knows. You need to know. Even in my marriage, can you imagine what that did to my marriage? You can be so offended, like, oh my God, I can't let this happen. Can you, can you imagine what that did in my wife's heart? Unflappable. Un even when no one would have known. I mean, in the middle of nowhere, no one could have possibly known. I'm calling her. Think of what that built in the side, in, inside of our marriage. Can I, just, can I just say this? Sometimes the Lord puts you in certain situations. He puts you in certain churches, and he knows that there's a certain level of dysfunction there. But some of it's actually for your development. There are going to be people at that church that are jealous of you, that don't like you. Don't like, why? Work on it. Work on it. I'm going to have to cruise through this last one. I really didn't plan to go into that. But um, number can I just say this? There's going to be a temptation to neglect just simply coming to church. There's going to be that temptation. That's why Hebrews 10, 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I think for too long we've tried to be, we've, we've overdone, the, oh, I don't want anybody to feel guilt, shame, or condemnation, so we don't actually share with them the actual truth. You just need to hear this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus period. That's why we take communion every Sunday. We want to keep that on the, at the center of everything we do. It says Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. Let's not forget that. But the scripture also says don't neglect coming to church. Don't let, uh, don't let other things swallow up your time so much. Don't, don't get your focus on so many other things that you look up and go, man, I don't remember the last time I even came to church. Neglect means to abandon or forsake. I think the biggest demonic attack or one of the bigger demonic attacks that happened through COVID was it just got people disconnected to coming to church. Now, why would the enemy care so much about you coming to church? Why? Well, because when you come to church, you're transformed. When you come to church, you're encouraged. When you come to church, you're in the presence of God and where the presence of the Lord is, there's fullness of joy. Of course he doesn't want you full of joy. Of course he doesn't want you full of courage. Of course he doesn't want you to be transformed. He wants you to conform to the world, not be transformed. So of course he's going to do things that just try to get you distracted, to try to get you busy, to try to get whatever. Why? From simply just coming to church. Did you know that this, the basic discipline say, you know what? And I've never done this because I've, all, I've just been in the church my whole life. But in my, I just had this random thought. Some of you, um, I don't even know why I'm going here with this. 
you need to make up your mind that moving forward, you will, you will never miss more than two Sundays a month. I don't know why I just had that thought. Did you know? Let me, let me back up a little bit. I've never been the best at like words of affirmation. I don't know if you gathered that or not. <laughs> Lord gave me all these girls, so I got to deal with all their feelings. Uh, <laughs> but part of it's so I would grow as well in words of affirmation. Did you know I was so bad at words of affirmation that I literally used to put in my phone, it was a meeting update, and it would every Thursday or Friday, and it literally said, say something nice to Leanne. Now, one would not think you'd have to put something like that into your phone. You'd think that that would be automatic. Well, for whatever reason, for me, it wasn't. It wasn't the best at encouraging. But just because I wasn't the best at it doesn't mean I need to do it or that I didn't need to do it and that I need to grow in it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make a hard line and say, say something nice every Thursday or Friday. And it just, why? To, to, build that in, to build that into my system. Some of you need to build going to church into your system and say, you know what? I'm just going to put it on the calendar. I don't miss more than two Sundays a month. Why? Because is the Lord going to be mad at me? No, again, that is not the goal. What's the target we're supposed to be aiming at? It's discipleship. Disciples do what the Word says to do. The opposite of neglect, he says don't neglect, the opposite of neglect is to cherish. I think it's time that as believers we start cherishing our church family again. Not everybody gets this. Other countries, there's, there's other countries would give anything to, to be right here, right now, to be able to worship, to have a place to take their kids, coffee, all these amazing things like have we, do we take it for granted what we have sometimes? Yes, myself included. I, you know, this, this thing that happened to me, I was kind of, you know, bombarded by the thing that happened, and I was actually on my way to a, a, a team night and uh, a worship team night to be with the team, and it, I was so rattled. My heart was racing. I felt so, like, violated and attacked. I, I, I've never, I don't look at porn. I never have had that problem. I've, I've just never had issues in that area, and I felt so violated that the enemy came in and introduced me to something or tried to get me into something. I just felt so, so, so violated, and we go into this worship team night, and I'm supposed to have words to say, and I'm trying to process my own inner world, and we start the meeting off, and, and Steve-O, one of our worship leaders, he's like, hey, Bethany asked me just to sing a couple of songs, and, um, just a guitar, just a bunch of us in a room with just a guitar, and just the worship team. And he just started playing the guitar, and the presence of God filled that room. And I just was listening to all of our worship team, the musicians and the singers, all just singing worship. And I just remember thinking, I'm so glad I have this right now. I'm supposed to be the pastor of the church, right? I'm supposed to be leading. Well, that day I was really glad I had church family. That when I was just trying to dissect what just happened in this attack of the enemy, and all of a sudden, I just, I was cherished, I was cherishing what I had in spiritual family. And I, I'm, I remember leaving there just feeling like, wow, that, that anxiety, all the things that came with what had happened just vanished, just went away. Because spiritual family, because my church, my church family, they were strong for me that night. I, I, never, I didn't even tell that story that night. Most people that were there that night, they, wouldn't have, they would have never known after, I, after the worship, I gave a few words, and it was good. The only reason I had anything to say was because of my family and what they did for me in that moment of worship. We 
got to get back to cherishing what spiritual family does. Can we all acknowledge that sometimes when you show up to church, it was all you could do just to get there. I make you this promise. If you'll just get here, somebody's going to be strong even if you're weak. There will be an atmosphere of the presence of God. There will be joy. There will be hope. There will be faith. When you're at your weakest, don't let the enemy say, you're too weak to go. No, you're too weak not to go. Your family's waiting for you. Your spiritual family, the place that God has set you in, is waiting on you to bring courage, to bring hope, to bring life to your your situation. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.